you are listening to the B-Cast. Another beautiful Sunday morning, and it's the Vcast, and I'm Vic Cedeno. That means I host this, and I got a good episode. I got a good episode. I think I have a good episode for you today. It is episode number 54, 54 of the Vcast, 54 fucking episodes, but this episode, 54, made me think... Because 54 is my favorite number. Why is 54 my favorite number? Such an odd number. 54 is my favorite number because 54 was my basketball number in high school. Basketball? High school? Varsity? Victor, you didn't play varsity basketball, did you? Oh, I did. Oh, I balled. I balled growing up. So that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about ball is life. But first, a message from our sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by 18 Pool Tables. These guys show up to your house. They all wear like gloves with like the fingers cut out. And they're just all like, yo, bro. Yo, bro. We're going to do a pool table, bro. No, I'm just kidding. 18 Pool Tables is the tri-state area's top pool table repair company. Whether you need pool table refurbished, refelted, or relocated, 18 uses more than 25 years of experience in pool table repair in New Jersey to offer top-notch customer service and high-quality work. That means when you go to play your fucking game on your brand-new refelted table, it's going to be smooth operator. We also offer pool table maintenance and moving services in Westchester County, Long Island, Manhattan, Brooklyn, and Queens if they're open. 18 Pool Table Services specializes in one-piece coin-operated and antique pool tables. We cater to northern New Jersey, Westchester County, and all five boroughs of New York City and Long Island. Beyond, that means they're out there. While everybody's stuck in the house quarantined because the mayor of New York City is a Nazi, a team is out on the road. New and used pool table assembly, pool table moving and relocation, repair, refelding, restoration. We are the Tri-State Area's number one pool table service company and are dedicated to setting the highest, it's because everybody's high, the highest standards in the industry. We will deliver quality service to you during every step of the process, whether you need your pair table moved or not if you don't need your pool table move they will show up to your house and just start rearranging shit in your house okay they will change the way your house looks because they are the a team and they know better than you 
All right. When you need pool table refelting services in New Jersey or New York, A-Team will provide a new professional-grade championship felt to your pool table slate and bumpers. The bumpers, guys, are the things on the side. Those things, they need refelting too. Sometimes the rubber gets hard and then dunk, 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 but then only you know the rubber gets hard, so you're good at the table. And everybody else that comes to play at your house, they fucking hit dead bumpers and they don't know how to play off the table because it's not theirs. And you hustle them and you win money and nobody knows. All right. Only A-Team knows. A-Team offers a variety of colors of wool nylon blends to suit your needs and complete the look at your table please visit our pool table gallery to see images of our custom felting service in the tri-state area a team pool table services dun, 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 dun. new jersey you can go to new jersey uh, you can go see 18 pool table services at njnypooltableservice.com that is njnypooltableservice.com tell billy Vic sent you for an extra charge. You're not going to get a discount. They're actually going to make your bill 10% more if you tell them you heard about this ad on my podcast. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, 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 dun. Hell yeah, baby. 18 pool table services. Check them out. Whew, man. Ad reads. I need a little drink of water after that ad read. It's only one ad, people. Only one ad. Ooh, I'm wearing my basketball jersey today because we're, we're, we're talking basketball. All right, but before we get into that, January 21st, big day. It's a big day because that's when the country is going to be opening up again. Just for those of you that um, are keeping score, we've been saying this since April. Okay. We've been saying this since April. Open the country up. You can't keep everybody locked up. It's not good for the economy. Who knew that? Who knew that keeping people locked up in their houses would be bad for their health and their well-being and their uh, whole life? And uh, you could be affecting generations to come. Bum, 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 bum. Bum, bum, bum. Crazy. January 21st, Biden gets into office. Everyone's going to change their tune about coronavirus and the, and the economy is going to take off. And they're going to be like, Biden, you're the best. You did it. And this is going to be the war cry for them thinking that, that he's doing a good job. It's because we're going to be opening up the country. So obviously things are going to be getting better. But that's something people have been saying for, for, for such a long time. And, and they call you a conspiracy theorist. They say that you should, you know, you don't believe anything. Da, 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 da. And then here we are. And then here we are in the reality. Hmm? 10 million people didn't die. Was it because of the lockdowns? Because people were still dying. It's crazy. It's crazy crazy and they'll tell you that the lockdowns are why people didn't die not because of the virus anyway i didn't want to get too political on that i just you know small rants that's all i can do small rants get things off my chest and get them on the record that's all i can do all right so i just want to get off my chest that i've been saying since uh, I don't know how long, along with just not me, other people just been echoing and all of us are uh, silenced on Twitter, uh, on Facebook. And they, you know, they, you couldn't say this months ago. You couldn't say that the lockdowns didn't work, that, the, you know, now there's a study, an international study 
for those of you that don't pay attention or just watch the news, there's now an international study that shows the lockdowns didn't work. They were a bad idea. Peer-reviewed study, okay? For those of you that are keeping score. It's all good, though. All good. Because the lockdowns are coming over. Everything's going to be fine now because Biden's into office. As long as them, he get hey, listen, Biden 2020, you got them stimulus checks coming. All right. You got them stimulus checks coming. Biden 2020. Vic's need a new place to move. He's already budgeting for that. Vic's already budgeting that $2,000 into his moving expenses. So you need to come through, Biden, or else my wife's going to be mad at you. Because I'm still going to be here. <laughs> Oof. Um, another th- another uh, thought was that um, somebody posted, Emily Page posted uh, about parenting. Something about parenting. I forgot. I, sh- I should remember her tweet. But um, she made a tweet or a post about um, not being prepared for parenting. Or being up early or something. You know, like waking up early. I don't know what the fuck the tweet was. My response was that I've been to jail. Jail prepared me for parenting. And then I thought about it for a while. I was like, you know what? Jail did kind of prepare me for parenting. Like I said that as a joke. But it's true. And then I tweeted that jail prepared me for parenting. And good old Artie Dell, been on the podcast before. Um, ask me, what do you mean? And here's my response. Um, uh, uh, jail prepared me for parenting. How so? Tell us more. Artie Dell tweets back and I said, routine, schedule, being up early, getting yelled at for no reason and having a certain time with the state. But they're still part of you for your life. So what I mean is, you until you're 18, you're obligated by the state to care for your kid. Once the kid's 18, you're not obligated by the state to take care for them. You're not financially obligated. You're not, um, you know, I believe you're morally obligated, but that's my morals. That doesn't apply to everybody else. Um, some people are very, are okay with telling their kids to go fuck themselves for the rest of their life. But, like the routine... Of jail got me prepared for being a parent because you're just in a routine. You got to stick to it. So you're just used to doing things because you have to. You're used to waking up early, used to making up your bed, used to getting yelled at for no reason. I thought it was a cute little comparison. Jail preparing you for parenting. Ah. How did you go to jail, Victor? That's another episode. Okay, that's another episode. Pretty sure I talked about that before. What I've never talked about is how ball is life. B-ball, basketball is life. It was life for a long, long part of my time, like my childhood. Um, I grew up playing baseball, Little League Baseball, like until... I was 11, 10, like a 10 or 11. I played baseball, little league. I was a baseball head. I loved, um, I was a front runner. I loved the Minnesota twins because they had won the championship, uh, during my sister's baby shower. 
The twins won the championship during my sister's baby shower. No, it wasn't the twins. It was the uh, Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, Carter hit that walk-off home run. He hit that walk-off home run during the game. I guess they, I think that was against the Phillies. I'm almost positive that Toronto played the Phillies. I got to look it up because I'm a good guy. Carter walk-off home run. Carter walk-off home run World Series. Here we go. This was 1993, Game 6. Who was it against, though? I don't think it was against the Phillies. Uh, 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 uh. Mitch, Mitch Williams. Yeah, Phillies pitcher. It was the Phillies. Okay. Oh, wild thing. Dun, 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 dun. I think I love you. Wild thing. Mitch Williams used to come into that song, Wild Thing, because he was wild. Who would have thought it? He used to come in with that that uh, that music. But he gave up that home run to Joe Carter. And I remember as a little kid, 1993, I was 11 years old. No, I was 10 because I hadn't moved yet. I might have been 11. I was just about to move out of this fucking place. It's 1993. My sister's having a, um, a baby shower for my niece, Aisha. And she... She's I'm in the I'm in the room like everybody's partying and I'm in the room watching baseball on the TV and he hit this home run. and It was just like, oh, my God, he won the game. And I just thought it was the most exciting thing. So I loved baseball. I loved baseball. I didn't really have a team because um, I didn't have anybody to love baseball with, you know, like a dad or anything. So I just was a front runner. I liked the, I liked the Toronto when they won, and then I think the next year was um, the Phillies, and I became like a really big Kirby Puckett fan. I loved Kirby Puckett, um, and then I would say probably when I was like eleven, twelve, I bought a pack of cards, and it was um, I had started getting into the Yankees just because they were close. You know, they were a New York team. Um, I got into this guy called Don Mattingly, Don Mattingly. My mom really liked Don Mattingly and he had like this fucking real thick mustache and I didn't have a dad and I just wanted Don Mattingly to be my dad. That's really what I wanted. I wanted Don Mattingly to be my dad. Don Mattingly looked like a guy that was a good dad. Didn't he look at Don Mattingly and you tell me you don't think that guy plays, plays ball with his kids. You know what I mean? You don't think that guy plays ball and plays catch with his kids in his front of his yard with a white picket fence? That's what I saw when I was a kid. Don Mattingly should have been my dad. All right. I wasn't looking for a favorite team. I was looking for a father. And I saw a father in Don Mattingly. So Don Mattingly became my favorite baseball player because if I met him and he autographed my ball, he'd be like, kid, you're so cool. I need to be your dad. Like, I wish I was your dad. Do you have a dad? And I'd be like, what a coincidence. I don't have a dad. You should be my dad, Don Mattingly. And then Don Mattingly was like, mm, actually, I don't like Spanish kids. And then that was the end of that. So, because he already knew Spanish people were going to take his job. And he was upset about it. So, he was like, I can't have a Spanish kid in my house while Spanish people are taking my job. So, that was the end of that Don Mattingly fantasy. No, I never met Don Mattingly, but that's, that's you know, I'm talking about it now, and I can reflect on it. I'm still talking baseball, and I'm wearing a basketball jersey, so here we are. So, um, 
basketball I got into when I moved to Hasbrook Heights. And, um, you know, I played basketball before, but I never got into it. I never was like, this is my sport. And um, seventh grade, eighth grade, uh, I met one of my best friends to this day, Keith Gisette, a little Keith. Um, and he, that's ball was life for him. And we became friends and we just started playing ball and we would go all over the place. Keith is black. Keith is a little black kid. He's actually white, but he's really black. He's really black. He's blacker than a lot of the most people that you know that you think are black are not black. All right. When Joe Biden was like, if you vote for me, you're not black. Well, he was talking about Keith. He knew Keith wasn't going to vote for him. And he, he was telling him that he's not black, but he was wrong because Keith is black. Anyway, so we used to hang out all the time. We used to hang out all the time and just play basketball. We used to go to courts all over the place. Um, it didn't matter where. It didn't matter the court. It didn't matter the hood. Like, it really did not matter. Keith would go and he would, people would be like, oh, look at these fucking white kids, right? Um, or look at this white kid in this pick. And they would think that we can't play ball. But then Keith would get on the court. And Keith is small. But he would just cut you up. You ever watch those and one dribble videos? That, right, that was Keith back then. He just dribble up, dribble, cross, 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 jump shot in your mouth, cross, 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 pass, cross, 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 jump shot, cross, 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 layup. Like he was just crossing you up all day long. And um, so I started playing ball with him, and that was like seventh, eighth grade. Got into it, and then um, ninth grade, I was in I enrolled. I was like, we're playing ball this year. And I, I couldn't wait. And I was just playing ball all the time. I have um, I, I have notes here just to make sure I stay on track. So freshman year. All right. So seventh grade basketball. Um, what does this say? Seventh grade B ball. That's when we started. Um, eighth grade. Oh, eighth grade. What's that? Eighth grade. I'm almost positive. Yeah, eighth grade. Summer of eighth grade. My mom sent me to the Philadelphia 76ers basketball camp. All right. So I went, me and Keith went to 76ers basketball camp in Philadelphia. Well, it was in Philadelphia. It was actually in um, Annandale. Annandale, PA. I'll never forget the name of the fucking town. Annandale, PA. And, um, or Allendale. Allendale, PA. Almost positive. Allendale, PA. And we went out there and it was like a weekend of summer camp. And uh, and it was with the Philadelphia Phillies staff. Um, a couple players went out there. This was right around the time Iverson got signed. So we were like, is Iverson going to, like, everybody at the camp was like, is Iverson going to show up? Oh, my God, imagine Allen Iverson shows up. Like, we were just so souped. We were like, yo, if Allen Iverson shows up, that would be crazy. But we got Maurice Cheeks. And Maurice Cheeks is a Philly legend and, um, you know, just a, a great basketball mind. We didn't get Allen Iverson. I kind of wanted my money back. But we got Maurice Cheeks. Maurice Cheeks was really good. We also got this guy, World Be Free. Look that fucking dude up. World Be Free. This guy could shoot these fucking jumpers where he was just shooting them really high in the sky. And then they would go down into the into the basket. It was such a fucking weird shot. Like, arc. Just straight arc. World Be Free was his name. I was like, is that your fucking real name? Who the fuck called you that? It's like, did your parents, like think that there was going to be some sort of universal domination you know like did they think we were going to come under fucking attack from the klingons why did they name you world be free like the world is free i'm almost positive like there's no fucking overlord so i don't know maybe she thought fan maybe she's like predicting thanos 
She was like, the world must be free. Let's name our kid World Be Free. The world must be free. Thanos is coming. This is the warning, our son. And he will play in the NBA. And he will be a warning to all that say his name. That Thanos is coming. And he's going to snap his cock. I don't know what I'm talking about, people. All right, so that was eighth grade. We went to camp. Camp, I mean, this is... The level of commitment I have to basketball. Basketball, I love basketball. I love playing basketball. But I missed the game at camp because I was canoeing. Okay? I missed the game at camp because I was canoeing. They were out on the street playing basketball. And I'm in the lake canoeing. And all of a sudden, Keith's like, yo, Iceman. Because that's what they called me back in the day, basketball. And he's like, yo, Iceman. And I'm like, there's in the band. He's like, you coming to get your game starting? And I just looked at him like, I'm in the middle of the fucking lake. I can't get to this game. But I had to row all the way to the edge and then get out. I made it there by halftime. But that's the level of commitment I had to basketball. Like, I was good naturally. Just, I have a natural talent for being good at things. Okay? Not trying to be cocky. Not trying to sound like I'm the best. I just have a natural talent at being good at things. So, I was just good at the game of basketball. And... I didn't work hard. I didn't work hard on my craft. I didn't, you know, like, you know how you hear Kobe Bryant was fucking working every day? Like, I didn't have that mentality. I didn't have that. I didn't have that desire to go out and achieve something because I didn't think I was worth it. That's the fucking God honest truth. I didn't think I was worth a dollar. Like, in my mind, I was just some fucking spick that who didn't have a dad. Like, that's all I saw myself. I swear. My whole life, I only saw myself as some spick who didn't have a dad. And I didn't really think I could do anything. I didn't really think um, about the potential that I had. Like, people would always tell me, oh, you have so much potential. You're wasting your potential. I'd just be like, shut the fuck up. I'm trying to interrupt class here and tell jokes, okay? I didn't have... I didn't have that thought in my head that if I had just worked hard and applied myself, I would have been really good, you know? And I didn't. I was playing fucking, I was canoeing while my game was going on. And I, my mom paid for basketball camp, not canoeing camp. She paid for basketball camp. And I'm in the middle of the fucking lake canoeing, just enjoying the, the wilderness by myself and having a vacation. I was on vacation. All right, This wasn't an Airbnb to me. This wasn't a fucking basketball camp with all legit people that want to be in the NBA one day, like their dreams. Not me. I just wanted to play basketball with my friends, and I'm at this camp. I wanted to go to the camp because Keith was going to the camp, and I thought it would be fun, and I wanted to learn some basketball. But I did learn the, the proper way to defense, and it's stop, give me your pizza. All right, that was the stop, give me your pizza. That's the defense, and you get your hands like this. And then you just defend like this. Stop, give me your pizza. We used to have to say that. Stop, give me your pizza. And play defense. Like This was the camp. This was the caliber of, of player I became after this. So we went to basketball camp, eighth grade, ninth grade, freshman year. I'm excited. Here we go. Freshman basketball. We got the fucking coaches, fucking Pankowitz, Coach Gary Pankowitz. Uh, he's still a teacher over at uh, Hasbro Heights High School. What's up, Panky? Panky, Panky. Hanky, Panky. That's what we used to call him. Hanky, Panky. Terrible kids. We were terrible kids. You don't come to fucking school, all right? You don't come to school and be a teacher and your last name is Pankowitz, all right? Don't come to school. Just don't come to school, all right? Do not show up. Do not collect your things at the door. Do not attempt 
to, to, to get everybody's attention when your last name is Pankowitz. All right, because we're going to call you Spanky. It's just it's just inevitable. Panky, Pankowitz, Spanky, Panky. Like you just had too many names with a name like Pankowitz. Poor fucking guy. Panky, Panky. We should just make fun of his name. Uh, Mr. Pankowitz. Because how could you call somebody Mr. Pankowitz with a fucking straight face? Hey, Mr. Pankowitz. Like, I can't do it now. I'm, it's taking everything, every fiber in my being not to die laughing. I'm trying to be professional. But every time I say Mr. Pankowitz, like, a part of me fucking dies because I'm holding the laughter in. All right? Fucking Pankowitz. So this guy was a freshman basketball teacher. Now, I broke my foot that year. Freshman year, I broke my foot um, playing basketball in John Bear's driveway. All right. Detective John Bear of the Hasbro Heights Police Department. Yep. Broke my foot in his driveway playing basketball. And let me tell you what good of a friend I am. All right. Let me tell you what good of a friend I am. I didn't sue. I didn't sue anybody. I didn't call the cops. I didn't sue. I broke my foot in the driveway. I could have sued you. But I didn't. I'm a fucking good friend. All right. Same thing with you, Rich DeFeo. I'm a fucking good friend. Rich DeFeo backed his car back into my mom's car and... Then did the driver's side door and then told me he was going to pay me. Never gave me a dollar. Never gave me any money to fix that. Just I just had to go home with a dent in the car to a Puerto Rican mom, Puerto Rican single mom that works her fucking life. And that's her dream car that she bought, her dream sports car. And you dented the fucking, you dented the driver's side doorway. Never gave me a dollar for it. And I never called the cops either on you. All right. I never called the cops on anybody. I never sued anybody because I'm a good friend. Just so you know. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's, you know what I got in return for not. For, you know what I got in return for being a fucking good friend. All right, they used to call me Sausage. All right, because some girl saw my penis and told everybody I was uncircumcised. So now that was my new name, Sausage. People used to say that all the time. Sausage. I used to make fun of my dick. It was very traumatizing to me. All right, that people would make fun of my my little fucking peen. They didn't. I didn't know back then what a fucking terrible thing it was to be uncircumcised. Women used to get scared. Girls. I used to say girls because it wasn't women. Girls used to get scared when I showed them my penis. I was always ashamed of my little uncircumcised fucking top cop. My little top, my little top cop. My little fucking cock with a top hat. Can't even talk. But girls used to look at it. And I, I have a joke about it. Like It's like a bank robber. I, like You're like a bank teller in a bank robbery. right? You see it. You're scared. But you can't say anything because you don't want to offend the person. It's a dangerous situation. So you have to like be afraid and then be under control and pretend that you're in a good situation. You know, like I've seen that. And then next thing you know, I have a nickname in school. It's called Sausage. And that's the fucking thanks I get for not being a snitch. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Never fucking sued. Never sued. I'm such a good friend. Um, so that's freshman year. Then I started playing with my cast on. Um, not in the league, but like I was at practice and stuff. I don't think I played in a freshman game. Um, I might have played towards the end of the year, like off the bench or something that I don't remember. I might have played like some games, but freshman year was a wash. Thanks to Pankowitz. All right. Uh, um, I was excited to play because my boy Travis White was on the team and we used to bug out. My boy Travis White, only black kid that was at in our grade. And uh, he used to put his dick on girls' shoulders in high school. It was the funniest fucking thing I've ever saw in my life. Now he's dead. He got shot. And it's fucking tragic. Rest in peace, Travis White. He got shot maybe like 10, 15 years ago. um, And killed up in Nyack, New York. 
<sighs> Travis White, man, one of a kind. Good times. Another ball player. We used to play ball all the time. Um, you know, in the schools, at open gyms. Open gym was a big thing. Like um, once a week uh, after school or like 7 p.m., 6 or 7 p.m., the gym would be open and everybody would play. It'd be adults and kids mixed. And, um, you know, he would come to play and, you know, a lot of people would play. So Travis White was um, the best player on our freshman team. And I don't believe he played. He didn't. He never played sophomore or junior year. Uh, he never played basketball again with the team. Um, and that's it. Freshman year. Yeah, freshman year was a wash. Freshman year was a wash. Then comes sophomore year. Sophomore year, JV. All right, I'm in the JV team, sophomore year. I got my friends with me. Um, one of my, you know, uh, two of my best friends are on the team with me, um, Billy and um, Chris at the time. Chris Morales was the point guard. Now he um, he has his own coaching. He coaches players. Um, I follow him on Instagram. I see his, uh, his work uh, coaching players out there, bringing up the youth, um, doing some good things. Like, that's his work. So, the fact that he was able to find work and something that he loved is great. But I was the big dog on that team. Can't, can't, can't. I'm just spitting facts. Just spitting facts. I was the big dog on that team. I played power forward. And, um, again, I didn't work hard. Um, I didn't, pr- like, I wasn't a leader. I just was good. And my thing was rebounding blocking shots like defending rebounding and then scoring off the post scoring in transition or just getting the ball doing a fucking post move and scoring like i could score i would say i would say i was close i would i would not be surprised if i averaged a double double like a good 11 points 10 rebounds my career like 12 points 11 like 12 points 10 rebounds something like that i'm a very good utility player and um, so that sophomore year, sophomore year was JV. I harassed the shit out of the coach, Datica. Um, and uh, what, what would we do? He, we, I remember one time he was yelling at everybody in the. Um, he had yelled at everybody during the halftime. And then after the game, like we won. And then we're downstairs and I'm doing an impression of him to the team like we're all just gathering around and i'm doing an impression of him to the team and i'm just making the jokes yeah making fun of him and the way he stands and i'm doing all this stuff and we're all fucking laughing and then everybody's laughing a little harder and everybody like i thought i was crushing i thought you know like when you're like in front of a group i mean not everybody knows this but when you're in front of a group of people and you're you know doing your thing and everybody's laughing and you have everybody's attention and like that i was there and i thought i was crushing really what was crushing was the fact that he was standing right behind me watching me do these impressions of him and he thought he didn't think it was funny so he was just sitting there and everybody's dying laughing but they're laughing at him and at me you know they're laughing with him and at me not with me and at him i had that completely wrong and um so Dadek is just you know just then he just yells at me but he liked me he liked me because uh, like the same thing i was funny i used to bust his chops but i was a good player and i listened to him and it wasn't like the head coach the head varsity coach he fucking hated me and rightfully so i was an asshole i didn't work hard and i beat up his son so that i mean he had right to fucking hate me i beat up his son one day in practice and i mean not 
not seriously, but kind of seriously. Like, he was a little kid, and he just was getting annoyed. He would always come to the practices and fucking play around and stuff. So I just threw a basketball at him and uh, punched him in the shoulder a bunch of times. You know, and then just, like, tackled him and, and mushed him a whole bunch of times. Just kid stuff. I mean, it really wasn't serious. But uh, So he hated me for that. But well, I didn't get no burn. I didn't get no burn in the varsity team. Of course, my background being I always thought it was racial. Um, I always thought it was racial, and I thought, you know, obviously the only Puerto Rican kid on the team it had to do with race. had nothing to do with race. It had to do with my work ethic. It was, I didn't work hard. I did the minimum that was required of me, and that was it. So, let's see. All right, so sophomore year. Um, had good JV years, terrorized the coach, right? but I could rebound and defend. I was lazy, but I could block shots. I also was clutch. Was clutch. I could hit clutch free throws. <clears throat> I could make clutch plays, get rebounds in clutch situations, defend people in clutch situations, and score in clutch situations. Um, and this all gave birth to my nickname, The Iceman. All right? Uh, just so you know, one time we were playing a game and it was home. It was in our home gym and we, it was like one of those intense games. And towards the end of the game, the varsity team would come from the locker room downstairs and they'd wait in the, um, in the doorway, like, you know, the locker room, the doors from the gym into the locker room, they would wait into that doorway in a line because once the game was over, they would come out and do their warmups. But they were waiting there, and this game had gone into overtime. So this, now this game went into double overtime. And so this game was dragging on. We're in double overtime now. And um, let me back up a little bit. We were in overtime. And then I made a play that got us into overtime, double overtime. And um, I, made, I made free throws that got us into double overtime. Well, how did the play go? I'm thinking of two different scenarios because I remember the one. It was a, um, uh, it was an inbound. It was an inbound play from the half court. It was a half court inbound play, and I remember coming to the ball, and then they faked passed it to me, and the defender overcommitted, and then I jetted backwards and I ran like this, and they lobbed it up, and I remember, I remember clear as day, like the whole in my head, as the ball was coming in slow motion to me to catch like it was like an almost like an alley-oop towards the basket as i as that ball was coming to me i had it in my mind that the varsity team was standing right there my best friend growing up the captain of the varsity team is standing right there along with the head coach and the other captain of the varsity team and they're just standing there and they're watching me and i catch the ball and immediately i go right back up boom i got not only did i make the layup but i smacked the backboard like hard like my fucking court you know like i did that shit and um and they just went nuts like they went nuts that i got the fucking like the game winning shot like that was the game winning shot the game was over boom we celebrated yeah that's it game over bro. and that happened right in front of the you know the varsity team so i'm like i'm for sure playing fucking varsity now what else do i have to do a lot more i have to fucking work hard that's what i have to do um, so that was sophomore year, you know, we were just playing all the time, 
I'm pretty pretty I'm pretty sure that that sophomore year I averaged a, a strong double double like a 14 and 12, 18 and 12 maybe because I was the leading scorer of the team. I scored all of our points. Uh other than our point guard Chris, he would score a lot of points too. We had a couple of other weapons, but I mean I was cleaning up offensive rebounds and just scoring. I was a beast under there. I would do full court. I remember one time in North Arlington, I did a full court like a LeBron James style block. On a kid, it was fucking. He stole the ball from us, and he went running down with it to make a layup. And I ran the fucking length of the court and blocked his ass. I had like, I had like fifteen blocks in halftime that game. That was a fucking crazy game. That was just blocking everybody's shit. And um, and this is like, this is how I know comedy is like the it's like it for me because any of those situations. When I would do like a good play and the crowd would get behind me, I would feed off of that. If I made a play and the crowd got behind me, I would feed, feed off of that. And I wanted to make more plays and like my intensity level would get up. Like I wasn't very, I wasn't very, like a very intense player. I wasn't from the, like from the bell. I wasn't in there, like in your face, like come on, every play I wasn't. I'm like fucking relaxed. Like I don't even think we're gonna lose the game. I don't even care if we lose the game. To be honest with you, like I was just relaxed. And then my intensity would increase or decrease depending on the play of the game. But that, like, just the crowd hyping me or something like that, I would just get really intense. And then every play after that, now every fucking shot, I'm blocking shots of people I don't even guard. Like, I'm not even defending them. But I need to be there to block that shot because I like when the crowd goes crazy. I had the fucking people on the other team, like, their families were cheering for me. Like, it was crazy. And um, so I, I tell you, that's how I know. I just love that attention. I love the spotlight. Um. I love the spotlight. It was great. Um, all right, so that's sophomore year. All right, so JV. JV comes in. It's the same deal. Having a good season. Double-double. I'm better this year uh, than last year because, like I said, I've been playing. I've been playing in the summer. And uh, in the summer, we would always play. Me and Keith, we'd go everywhere. Um, just whatever courts. We played a lot of Kennedy and and school we would go to new york city we would go to um different places in west new york in um lodi t-neck hackensack englewood like we would just play to everywhere everywhere with everyone and you know if you played basketball in bergen county during these years or anywhere you usually you would know who keith is you would know who my little friend is and and i always showed up with him um so JV starts, now I'm getting a little bit of varsity burn. I'm sitting varsity. I think by the end of sophomore year, I was sitting varsity. Where you just, you know, the JV game ends. I would get out of JV early. No, this was sophomore year. Sophomore year, I was all JV. Junior year, I was playing limited time in JV because they were, you You can't play, you can't play a full game of JV and then play varsity. Like, I think you can only play three quarters and then you could have a quarter. You can only play four quarters in a day unless it was overtime. But you can only play four quarters in a day. And I was playing three quarters JV and then one quarter varsity. And, you know, I was just as a backup, but I was getting varsity burnt. I was sitting varsity. I, I felt so proud that, you know, I knew that fucking coach hated me and I knew he didn't want me there. So the fact that I made it there was telling because I just kept showing up. I just 
you know, I saw people quit. I remember fucking, I remember one kid quit my sophomore year, my sophomore year or junior year. No, it was definitely my sophomore year. My sophomore, because the kid was two grades older than me. And my sophomore year, like, we had a big man on the, on the senior team, tall guy, and he quit by putting his fucking stuff in the middle of the in the court. I remember, like, he, made, he tried to make a statement. He left the stuff in the middle of the court because the, he thought the coach was an asshole and he didn't want to play no more. I think it was, like, a couple of players that quit. And um, whatever drama they had, it was coming in from before me. But I just wanted to play. So I was like, when he quit, I'm like, oh, I'm going to get some burn. I didn't get no burn. Um, so junior year, I'm starting to play a little bit. But like I said, the coach doesn't like me. He's got his starting five. This is their senior year. Um, the starting five, four of the starting fives were all seniors. So they were getting the starting. You know, they were, they were starting their senior year. And then the, the fifth player was in my grade, but he was the scorer. So they were not taking him out. Um, so I had a good season. Um, I even started a game. One of the guys were injured. I started a game um, versus Leonia. I almost, I think I'm pretty sure it's versus Leonia. I had like my best game. I had like 20 some, twenty something points. I had so many. Re- I think I'm really close to a triple double with blocks, assists, and rebounds and points. Like I was just all over the place that game. I had a really fucking good game. And and then I let that get to my head right away. I was like, all right, that's it. That's my starting. You got the, my ticket, you know, let's go. Let's get this. And then I had, you know, I had this thing in my head where I was like, we'd be so much better if they started me. You know, just ego shit. Um, so we finished the year in the playoffs that year. Junior year, we finished the year in the playoffs. We went to the playoffs. Um. We won one game in the playoffs, which I thought was cool as fuck. The game that we won in the playoffs was interesting because here we are, Hasbrook Heights High School, uh, just me and a bunch of white kids. All right, We don't have no black kids on our team. I think me and Chris Morales, the point guard from JV, also was sitting varsity. Me and him were the only Spanish people on the team. Everybody else was white. And um, I only say that because the first game of the playoffs was in Jersey City. Uh, Immaculate Conception, I want to say. Something like that. It was some school in Jersey City. And that was the first game. I don't know if the... Wait, I don't know if the team that we were playing was Jersey City. I'm sure it was their school. Anyway, we get there. And then first thing, we're in the bus. And we're talking about we're playing in the hood, right? So all the white kids are shook except Keith. Keith telling everybody, don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. You get over it. All the fucking white kids are making black jokes. Um, there were some racist kids on our team. It's just a fucking fact. That, uh, they were just making some fucking jokes. They were making. Um, but I knew that those jokes were coming from fear. I knew that they were scared of the place that we were in. And then when we went inside and we saw the other team and that they were all black, they were all they looked like they were all going to the NBA. All the you know, except for me and Keith, everybody started panicking. You know, like, oh, we're going to lose. These guys are going to fucking dunk all over us. Like, they're just in our head. And Keith was like, hey, Keith, this is why Keith was captain. Keith took control. He's like, hey, shut the fuck up. We're going to go play these guys like like there's no skin color. Nobody, you know, Keith was like a little white Martin Luther King in there. He was like, there's no skin color. We're going to treat them like we treat everybody else. We're going to fucking play this game. 
and that's it. And it snapped everybody else out of it. And they're like, you know what? You're right. We're going to play this game. And we went out there. And it was like fucking Hoosiers, all right? We went out there passing the ball. Like, these kids had no fucking clue what hit them. Keith went out there, was crossing fucking... The first play of the game, Keith went out there and crossed this fucking kid. Like, he crossed him like somebody's... I don't know. I don't even know. Like, like some fucking idiot's eyes. He just crossed them. He just crossed them so hard. The kid almost fell. And we were like, oh, shit. And then that was it. We were fucking setting screens. We were moving the ball, passing. I swear it was like something straight out of Hoosier. It was like, dump, dump, dump. Like, a, a, not Harlem Globetrotters. That would have been the other way around if they won. But it was like, we were like fucking Hoosiers. Passing, setting screens, all that stuff. We were calling plays out. We were talking really loud, like calling plays. Get, switch screen. Defend. On your left. On your left. On your right. On your right. Pass the ball. Over here. And we were just moving the ball. Boom. And we fucking blew them out by like 20 fucking points. It was so cool because everybody was so scared about the kids being hood and it didn't fucking mean a thing. We fucking wiped the floor with those kids. So we were gassed up going into the second round. And in the second round, we went against Glen Rock. Was it Glen Rock? I'm almost positive. No, it wasn't Glen Rock. Fuck, I can't remember the fucking team. Anyway, they beat us. It might have been Park Ridge or something like that. I don't remember the town. Because I hated that town for a long time after that. Because I was like, those motherfuckers beat it. You know, they made our seniors cry. Our seniors cried because we lost. We were out of the playoffs. I was just happy that we won a game. And then I was excited for senior year. Because then I was like, oh, we won one game last year. And we, you know, we're going to do it fucking great next year. So that was the end of junior year. And then junior year. Went three, some cane, dunk, all right. So then, um, junior, uh, junior year, you know, before that game, we played everywhere. We even played in this fucking uh, Frederick Douglass playground. I wrote that here. That's Fre Frederick Douglass play playground, 100th Street in Amsterdam. We played in this cage. Uh, I think this was sophomore year, in between before junior year, and we played, um, we brought our star shooter, um, Mike Sabula, we brought him to Harlem to fucking play. We brought him to this fucking Frederick Douglass Park in this cage to play basketball. And we played against these kids. One kid one kid had a fresh 150, a buck 50. For those of you that don't know, that's a razor mark across the face, a cut, usually like a gang initiation. If you see somebody with a cut on their face, that means they were somebody got initiated into a gang based on their face. They just cut their face. This kid had a fresh one. It looked like he had just got it like two nights before. It was like still bleeding through the fucking the bandage. And um, we played against him. And, you know, that was just another game in the hood. And. Uh, I had a walk-off dunk on that game, run-off dunk, because I dunked, we won the game, and then we had to run because we were going to die. Uh, so that was fun that year. And then Summer League came. This is it. I showed up to Summer League super cocky because um, it was my senior year, and we had a new coach. Uh, coach Caruso was coming in. He was a gym teacher. I had a good relationship with him. Um, so I was, like, excited. I'm the man now. Right. This is what I've been waiting for. Uh, senior year. I'm the man now. I'm going to start varsity. I'm going to be varsity captain. I've been leading this this crew of us, the people that have remained, um, you know, the guys that are a year before me and me. The guys I played in JV with when I was running shit on JV. Now I'm the big dog of this thing. So this is my mind. 
that this is what's going to happen. Me and Wabul is the big dog. He's the, the lead scorer. I'm right behind him. Like, this is what I thought. So summer league came. I was real cocky. Had a good summer league um, out in Leonia playing on the streets because I played in that court a lot, you know, um, just on our own. We Recreationally, we played at that court a lot. So I already felt like home. And we ran the summer league. And I had a bad attitude. I just real cocky. Like, it, it was my attitude had already started going and resulted in, you know, what ended up happening that senior year with me getting kicked out and everything. Um, this was before that. Like, I got cut from the basketball team my senior year um, because I was failing classes. I had failed a class or I was failing a class and there was no intervention. There was no warning or nothing. They just cut me because of my attitude. It was just an easy way to get rid of me. Quite honestly, that's my opinion. Um, reflecting back on it now and they weren't wrong I did have a bad attitude like I said I already wasn't working hard I was already lazy and doing the minimum that was required of me and now to on top of that to be cocky about it it was just a bad mix so you know my bad um, I always resented being cut from my you know being cut senior year of basketball I missed the whole I missed the senior year of basketball right uh, varsity as you can well you can't see my plaques on the wall there but I missed my senior year of basketball and um, because I got cut from the team, they didn't make any attempt to, you know, say, you know, how like when coaches try to maneuver and help their players because, you know, it's about winning games and shit. They didn't try to do any of that because fuck them. Right. I was expendable. It wasn't, you know, like I just had such a bigger idea of myself than what I really was. And it fucking it was a, a real humbling experience to get cut. Um, it, it also pushed me into like that, um, that renegade mode, that, uh, like adversarial mode. Like I, I just had a fucking attitude after that. I was, I was really upset and then, you know, just being a dick and, um, That's what it says here. I was really cocky. Felt like I accomplished something. I was. Oh, I felt like I was owed something. Yes, I felt like I was owed something because, like I said, from sophomore year, I I felt like I wasn't getting the time or that I deserved or the attention I deserved because the head coach hated me. And that was like how I had it in my head. So come senior year, it was a new coach. I, this was owed to me. I had this coming to me. I had like all of this coming to me for all the time that I put in. I felt like I should have been starting, but in reality, it was poor work ethic, bad attitude. That's why I got cut. Bad grades were just an excuse. Hmm. Bad, bad grades were an excuse. So I really got cut because of my bad attitude, um, especially during summer league. During summer league with the new coach, I just had a bad attitude. I thought I knew better because I've been here for three years. Like I just didn't have that. That learning thing. I man, what a fucking asshole I was. That's a real fucking asshole. Uh yeah, senior year swag. Um, I was a real piece of shit too, just making fun of people too. Um and now that I'm looking back on the situation, like I could have probably have gone back. I could have gone back to school when school started. I could have humbled myself, you know. I could have humbled myself and went and, and tried to fix things. But I didn't because I just had a fucking bad attitude. I was just a real asshole that felt like something was deserved to me that I never worked for. Like I never earned, 
You know, I never earned the captain spot. I, who what, was I a fucking leader? Did anybody turn to me for a leader as a leader? No. People turn to me for jokes or people turn to me like if they wanted to do something bad. All right. That's not a fucking leader. So I wasn't. So, you know, I was angry about these things for so long because I thought I was wronged. I thought I like something bad happened to me. I'm the victim. And that's not the truth. I'm not the victim. I'm the perpetrator. Full circle, guys. Full circle. This is episode 50 motherfucking four of the VCast. We're talking basketball. Basketball was a life. I used to write my name. VC. Like, you know, the um, on one side of the basketball, there's like an intersection part with the lines. And I would write VC54 on all my basketballs. Basketball was such a... Um, a big part of my childhood it was uh, a big part of my socialization a big part of my exercise um you know just being out all all different places running playing basketball numerous full court games a day um real big part of my my i tried playing basketball as an adult i was in like an adult league i played in a couple games before i got injured um that was fun and i haven't really played that much like out of high school i like you know like a little short time after high school i, I really didn't play that much because after everything happened with varsity man i just i really felt like basketball i didn't really see a point in basketball i guess i just was so maybe i was upset because of getting cut and stuff that i just stopped playing I just stopped playing at a certain point and, you know, other people kept playing and, and that's it. I mean, I could have been in them. Yeah, I could have been the LeBron James. I could have been the Puerto Rican LeBron James if I tried, if I worked hard. But I didn't work hard, so I ended up being fucking nada. Nada con el basquetbol. ¿Tú quieres jugar basquetbol? Vámonos a jugar basquetbol. Um, I'm trying to think, think of anything else I could think of. Uh, basketball was fun. Practices, the bus rides. Uh, the bus rides were the best. All the, all the cheerleaders would get naked, blow all the dudes. Um, no, it didn't happen. Oh, that's fucking funny. One time before a basketball game, um, I want to say this is like, this is sophomore, junior year. I think maybe junior year. And before a road game, before we all had to get on the bus, I remember getting head from this girl. We'll call her Jane, just to protect the innocents. And... <laughs> nothing innocent about her she was fucking blowing me in the fucking auditorium um i don't i don't remember how it led up to it but um, this isn't my girlfriend this isn't girl girl i didn't even kiss this girl we just she just wanted to blow me and um this is perks of being on the basketball team she just wanted to blow me so we were in the auditorium and um she you know did her thing and somebody was spying on me, keith Gisette, and he went running like we called him and he went running and jumped off the fucking the stage of the thing and he was like all i heard is footsteps and he fucking tucked and rolled and um and then i had a really shitty game afterwards so um then i re and then i realized that it's true you shouldn't have sex or come before a basketball game or before like an athletic event because i was just drained i remember like my one of my one of my money shots like my little range one of my money shots was an elbow jumper Top, like an elbow jumper which is you know at the free throw line little elbow jumper boop that was like my little money shot the first elbow jumper i took in that game after that blow job was an air ball 
All right. I barely, didn't even come near the rim. Like, I was like, oh, shit. Like, this is crazy. So don't get fucking blowjobs before games. Um, And that's it. Do I want to leave you on a blowjob story? I think so. Because I got to go poop again, again and again. I tried to go before the fucking show and, and just let this one happen. But it happened again. So this throwback Nets jersey for my throwback basketball career. Episode 54, the V-Cast. Ball used to be life. Anyway, listen, um, thank you so much. I don't have anything on the horizon. I just want to keep putting out these fucking podcasts for you. Um, I'm enjoying this. I want to keep, 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 keep it up. Uh, I'm very happy with this episode because I prepared for it. And I had, you know, a train of thought going. And that's it. I'm just happy. I'm happy, I'm happy, and I'm happy you're happy. So be happy, people. That's it. Goodbye. You're listening to my day of the bee.